This is Serenade Radio, with the best in easy listening. Now here's Mark Stein with Stein's Song of the Week. Welcome to the first in a new series on Serenade Radio about how great songs are born and about the fellows who make them. Three decades after it was written, this first selection was the most recorded song in the history of popular music. We begin circa 1926 in Indiana. A man called Hoagie Carmichael has written a tune and plays it through to his old college roommate, Stuart Gorell, who's quite taken by it. And a couple of mornings later, Stu Gorell comes running round the Soldiers and Sailors Monument in Indianapolis and catches up with Hoagie, sticking his hands in the air and making little falling-from-the-sky motions. And his chum is baffled. But Stu says he thinks the melody is like the dust from the stars drifting down through a summer night. And thus the tune gets its name, Star Dust. Two words, because back then nobody had ever heard of such a thing as stardust. One word. I had no idea what the title meant, said Hoagie, but I thought it was gorgeous. And it is. Not just for this tune, but for what happens with any special song, when a particular combination of words and music drift across a summer night to stay with you forever. Sometimes I wonder why I spend the lonely nights dreaming of a song, the melody haunts my reverie, and I am once again with you. When our love was new And each kiss an inspiration But that was long ago And now my consolation Is in stardust of a song Beside the garden wall when stars are bright you are in my arms the nightingale tells his fairy tale of paradise where roses grew though I dreamed in vain in my heart there always will remain My stardust melody The memory of love's refrain Well, as Willie Nelson likes to tell it, before Lady Gaga, before Gloria Stefan, before Rod Stewart and Linda Ronstadt, the first rock generation guy to take the old standards seriously and introduce them to a new generation was him. 
And this was the title song he chose for the album. And that album stayed in the Billboard charts for a decade. Though I dreamed in vain And my heart there always will remain My stardust melody The memory of love's refrain When America was still in the space shuttle business, that's what NASA used as an alarm call for their astronauts. There were worse ways to wake up than hearing stardust among the stars. Many people with no interest in the songwriting credits on album sleeves know the name of the composer of Stardust. Hoagy Carmichael was a singer-songwriter long before anyone had ever heard the term, enjoying hit records with his own compositions. He's the thin fellow with the hat pushed back on his head, tinkling the piano in the bar scene of any number of films, usually playing a character with a singular name. Cricket. Happy. Jingles. And dialogue-wise, contributing some laconic, late-night philosophical solace for whatever's on the stars' minds. But they were big stars. Bogey and Bacall in To Have and Have Not, Myrna Loy and Frederick March in The Best Years of Our Lives. And according to Ian Fleming, in the very first 007 novel, Hoagie Carmichael, rather than Sean Connery or Daniel Craig, is what James Bond is meant to look like. Willie Nelson's Stardust, like Doris Day's Stardust, Nat Cole's Stardust, is the way we know the song now. Intimate, rueful, reflective, and not at all the way Hoagie Carmichael wrote it. of Stardust as the composer heard it from the very first recording in 1927. The verse, noticed Mel Torme, rambles up the scale and down, resembling nothing so much as an improvisational cornet solo. Because back around 1926-27, that's what Hoagie Carmichael was dreaming of. He wasn't moonstruck over a lost romance. He was a jazz guy, moonstruck over the hot licks of his pal, cornetist Bix Beiderbeck. So how did Stardust get from hot licks to a romantic ballad? Well, the man who wrote the words was Mitchell Parrish, who had a lot of hits, Valari, Deep Purple, oh, and Sleigh Ride, just hear those sleigh bells jingling, ring-ting-tingling too. I knew Mitch well in his last years, and here he is a long, long time ago, telling me how Stardust became Stardust. I started very young. I was not quite a child, but I was about 16 or 17. And I was signed up by this publisher, Jack Mills. And uh, I was writing special material, and I was right there on the scene. And Hoagie Carmichael 
was also beginning to write. He was a lawyer. See, he was a, he studied law and he was practicing in Florida when they had that uh, real estate boom in the 20s. Mm. And he didn't like the practice of law. He probably found it didn't suit his creative inclination musically. You see, when something gets into your blood, like lyric writing in mind, popular songs, it probably the same bug got into his blood, although he would have done very well as an attorney because he was a very gifted person, a very intelligent, wonderful person. But he wanted to be a songwriter, a composer. So he came up to New York, and then he wound up with the same publisher that I was with. Well, we were together, and he had this tune, and uh, originally it was a swing tune. It wasn't the way it is today, and the way it's known today. A romantic, sweet, smooth melody. It was... See? Uh, Hoagie was uh, with Big Spiderbeck. He was, I think, his idol. And they, they, were, they weren't rock and roll or anything mm -hmm. like that. It was swing, you know, beat. And uh, you wouldn't recognize the Stardust melodically. It was nothing like it is today. So Victor Young, who was with Isham Jones Orchestra, made an arrangement of it. But the arrangement was romantic, sweet, and the way it is known today. So I was enamored or fascinated with the melody, not with the swing version of it, because then I, I wasn't interested in it. Nobody was interested. It was in manuscript, see? And when Victor Young arranged it in its present form, then I wrote the lyric. And, and how, I'm, I'm interested because one of the signs of a Mitchell Parrish lyric is that it's not an obvious Tin Pan Alley lyric. There aren't loads of repeated phrases. You're content to take all the time to say what you want yeah, right. to say. I mean, very few, to take obviously an obvious example, very few lyric writers, I think, would have the courage to begin uh, a, a chorus with the words, sometimes I wonder. It's a, it's a kind of a casual line. You, you see, your uh, our conversation, I'm beginning to like the song myself. I mean, you're selling me on the song. <laughs> Sometimes I wonder why 
The Tommy Dorsey Orchestra with the Pied Pipers and boy vocalist young Frank Sinatra with Joe Stafford getting a line or two. Such a lovely record that it made Dorsey's drummer, Buddy Rich, the butchest boy in the band, cover his face so no one would see his tears. If you think Sometimes I Wonder is an offhand way to begin a chorus, how about the way the song proper starts with an introductory verse that begins as if you're coming in halfway through the story. How many verses start, and now? How many verses start yes. with the word and, yes. as if it's a continuation yes. of something before, you see? Uh, I don't know, I just, it was in me. I guess I'm a romantic, a hopeless romantic. And now the purple dust of twilight time Steals across the meadows of my heart 
up in the sky The little stars climb Always reminding me that we're apart You wander down the lane and far away Leaving me a song that will not die Love is now the stardust of yesterday The music of the years come by Though I dream in vain In my Stardust, I didn't stop to analyze each word, and is this poetic, and is this this, and this that. I just wrote it. That's always the best way to do it. But since Mitchell Parrish brought up and Ernestine Anderson sang the introductory verse of Stardust, let's hear a uniquely distinctive recording. We heard Frank Sinatra with the Tommy Dorsey band a moment ago. In fact, Stardust was the very first song the young Sinatra 23 years old, sang after signing his first real contract as a professional singer with the Harry James Band one night in June of 1939 in New Haven, Connecticut. So did the mature Sinatra, the ring-a-ding Frank of the 50s and 60s, ever return to Stardust? Why, yes, he did. And without duplicating a note of anything he did with Harry James or Tommy Dorsey. Here's Mitchell Parrish again. How would you like to have one of your songs recorded? Just the verse, no chorus. Frank Sinatra recorded the verse of Stardust. And not the chorus. He recorded the chorus on another recording. But then he had one record. The record was known as the verse of Stardust. And there was no chorus on it. And Frank Sinatra sang the verse, and that was was the record. It was Frank's pianist, Bill Miller, who proposed this rather unusual record. By 1961, Sinatra didn't feel he had anything new to say about what was already the most recorded song of all time. So Bill Miller said, well, you like the verse, so why not forget about the chorus? Just sing the intro and get Don Costa to write a little bit of orchestral colour at the front and back.
purple dusk of twilight time steals across the meadows of my heart high up in the sky the little stars climb always reminding me that we're apart you wander down the lane and far away leaving me a song that will not die love is now the stardust of yesterday the music of the years gone And just as he's supposed to start his occasional wandering about the melody that haunts his reverie and the garden wall and the paradise where roses grew, we return instead to that Don Costa tone poem with flutes and violins and a gorgeous orchestral cloud. And then the record just ends. They left out the chorus and just recorded the verse. I think that the thing, of course, about that is that Frank Sinatra did that because he felt that some singers were neglecting the verse, didn't they? Now, that's a very uh, good observation, mm. fine observation, because I, I didn't think of that, why he was doing that. Mm. But I can understand why he would do it, because others, it wasn't being uh, done. Frank's longtime guitarist, Tony Matola told me it's one of his favourite Sinatra records, uh, as he described the arrangement, almost classical. Hoagie Carmichael didn't care for it. I wrote a whole song, not just a verse, he grumbled. But Frank never did do a complete stardust. 21 years earlier, with the Tommy Dorsey band, they'd skip the verse, and you wish you could take that great dreamy ride on stardust chorus and connect it up to that early 60s tone poem on stardust verse and come up with one great complete all-in soup to nuts Sinatra version of one of the greatest popular songs of all time. But you can't. Young Frank has his sweet, dreamy Pied Piper's arrangement and mature Frank has his semi-classical Don Costa tone poem and ne'er the twain shall meet. Sometimes there's a definitive ballad treatment of a song and sometimes there's a definitive up-tempo treatment and sometimes they're both by Sinatra. But this is taking it to a whole other level, a great record of the verse and a great record of the chorus and they're entirely separate, as the song says, my stardust melody, the memory of love's refrain. And that's all Frank and Don Costa give us, the memory of the refrain. Everyone's done it just in the last few years. Michael Bublé and Bob Dylan have taken a crack and very occasionally someone comes along and hears it not as Mitchell Parrish's romantic ballad, but as Hoagie Carmichael's jazzy cornet solo. 
or at any rate a groovy contemporary equivalent thereof. Sometimes I wonder why I spend the lonely Marvin Gaye's distinctive take on Stardust, because there's always something new to say about a great song. If you prefer Artie Shaw or Ella or even Hoagie singing Mitchell Parrish's lyric, well, you can't be comprehensive with Stardust. Serenade Radio could play nothing but Stardust recordings by artists alphabetically for the next week, and we'd certainly get to Carmichael H, and maybe, just possibly, we'd reach Fitzgerald E, but we wouldn't get within sight of Shaw A. You'll have to await the Stardust Channel 24-7 for that. So as lyricist prerogative, I'll let Mitchell Parrish choose our final selection. Well, I have uh, several favorites, but actually, I love that Nat King Cole recording, Nat King Cole. And now the purple dusk of twilight time Steals across the meadows of my heart High up in the sky The little stars climb Always reminding me That we're apart You wander down the lane And far away Leaving me a song that will not die Love is now the stardust of yesterday The music of the years gone by Sometimes I wonder I spend the lonely night dreaming of a song. The melody haunts my reverie, and I am once again with you when our love was new. Kiss and inspiration But that was long ago Now my consolation Is in the stardust of a song Beside the garden wall When stars are bright you are in my arms The nightingale Tells his fairy tale A paradise where roses grew Though I dream in vain 
in my heart It will remain My stardust melody The memory of love's refrain Nat King Cole's voice, Gordon Jenkins' arrangement, Stuart Gorell's title, Hoagie Carmichael's music, Mitchell Parrish's words. Oh, and one final personal note. I was very young when that interview took place, and Mitchell Parrish was about four times my age, and he enjoyed our conversation so much that he asked me to go on a double date with him that evening. I had to decline as I had another engagement, but I regret having to pass up his invitation because as the decades roll by, I found myself more and more curious about whether the ladies he'd lined up were his age, my age, or from one of the several generations in between. Like the song says, Sometimes I Wonder. Stein's Song of the Week was presented by Mark Stein and produced for Serenade Radio by Brian Savin.